This week's episode is presented by Elite Pool Tile Cleaning. If you are a fan of the podcast, you would remember a couple of episodes ago, I had Darren on to discuss the facilitation of the wildfire relief that we did for the campfire in Butte County. Uh, Darren was uh, essential in getting the trucks facilitated and the volunteers going, and and uh, I had the pleasure to ride up with him and uh, deliver the goods up to uh, Chico for those in need. But now he's actually joining forces with the Radvertising Army. Army, and Darren is the owner of Elite Pool Tile Cleaning. And if you are not aware of what he does, most people don't call Elite Pool Tile Cleaning because they don't even know that the service is available. Despite their 13 years of experience in the greater Sacramento area, once you're booked, Elite cleans the tile using environmentally safe glass beads at a low air pressure. The calcium buildup is destroyed, leaving the tile surface undamaged and beautiful again. And when Elite Pool Tile Cleaning is done, you're good to swim in your beautifully clean pool right away. At the average cost of $5 per foot, it's a lot less less expensive than replacing your tile, something too many pool owners have felt forced to do. So head over to ElitePoolTileCleaning.com, and while there, check out the amazing before and after pics. Then get your appointment for a free estimate scheduled online or by calling 916-714-POOL. That's 916-714-POOL. Now is the time to get your pool swim weather ready. Just a few hours this winter will make it beautiful for years to come. ElitePoolTileCleaning.com. That's ElitePoolTileCleaning.com. And also brought to you by Tech2U. Tech2U strives to deliver superior technical services from professional and friendly staff while maintaining their principles of credibility, accountability, and customer service as they grow. With locations all over Northern California, Southern California, and Las Vegas, Tech2U provides in-shop repair, mobile services for residential and business, and remote service provided online. Tech2U repairs everything ranging from printers, scanners, screen repair, motherboards, keyboards, touchpads. They'll even recycle electronics. Visit www.tech2u.com. That's tech, the number two, U. Or call 888-340-8324. That's 888-340-8324 for Tech2U. The Rad All right, thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Rad Podcast. I am producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don Show, and I took to the Rad Podcast Facebook group uh, last week because you know sometimes you get writer's block, or in this case, podcast block. And I, I just posed the question, seeking inspiration for future episodes at the podcast. What do you think, Prod Squad? And I got a ton of responses. In fact, um, a lot of people who are re- requesting that we do a full episode with all of the significant others in one room, which I think is a great idea. Um, it's just a matter of getting it all uh, synced up and getting all our schedules together to do that episode. Um, Cause you know, our significant others, they do have lives and they do have other jobs. So um, getting that together is going to be um, kind of a, a, a job in itself, but I will get that done. Cause I think that would be a great episode. Other people are requesting that we do some uh, more like dog talk. Of course, dogs and animals are in pets are a very popular topic. Uh, Josh said, seeing as you're quite a chef, maybe an episode where you discuss your favorite recipes, not necessarily how to cook, just a quick overview or food you like to cook or destinations with your favorite foods. I love that, Josh. In fact, I'm, I'm actually going to plan on having uh, old fat producer Nick 
um, join me again. And since he has uh, proclaimed that he's quite the in-home chef as well, um, I figure we could have a whole episode where we just kind of swap recipes and uh, talk about cooking and, and various facets. Oh, and he's, he travels a lot, and so so do Mrs. Brandon and I. So we can talk about the uh, district, different destinations for good foods. Um, in fact, I actually have a fun uh, vacation plan for the for this summer. I'm actually going to be hitting up the Big Island and Maui over the span of about two weeks during our uh, summer vacation. Very excited about that. Um, and of course, we'll probably have some sort of episode um, for, for, uh, for a podcast while we're out there. Oh, quick note on that. Um, one of the big things that we took away, uh, we being my wife and I, uh, that we took away from the, our trip to Hawaii was uh, our new love for scuba dive, or not scuba, but snorkeling. And the, I was terrified of the ocean. I would not step foot in the ocean because... It's just too big and there's a lot of monsters in there and it just kind of freaked me out um, at first. But after the second trip to our uh, second trip to Hawaii, which was to Kauai, um, we we actually ended up going snorkeling and I, I kind of broke my fear out of it because my wife admittedly forced me into it basically because I just was being too chicken. And and once I did it, my fears kind of went away almost auto automatically. It was one of those experiences where you get into it and it's not as bad as you think. Um, but once you disconnect your, your fears and your anxieties and you just kind of get, get into it in the moment, it, there's nothing really to be scared of. Now I won't go into too deep of water yet, but, um, the last time we went to, uh, Hawaii was at Oahu and that was the most we, the most thing we did was snorkel. We just spent most of our times, with our, uh, with our faces down in the water and it was just amazing. So, um, to kind of take it to the next level, uh, we actually went and did a intro to scuba diving, um, which is something that I've always been fascinated with. I've always wanted to do it, especially since w when I was a kid, I saw the movie, the abyss, uh, you know, with, uh, Ed, uh, Ed Harris and a bunch of other people. It's a James Cameron movie where they go underwater and they get stuck in this hurricane and they get disconnected from their tether at the top of the ocean. And they end up encountering alien species while they're, uh, underwater. And I've, I've always been fascinated with being able to just kind of cruise around and explore underwater and scuba diving has always been one of those things that I've wanted to try. Unfortunately, we found this place locally that does this intro to scuba diving just to let, you know, let you try it out and see if you are even interested or if you you can actually handle it. Um, and we spent about an hour in a pool with all of our gear. Um, and I, I loved it. I'm, I'm absolutely hooked. Now I only went like nine feet deep in this pool where they kind of train you on how to use the equipment and how to maneuver and all of that. Um, but I think I'm going to go all the way and get certified and, and try to do this while I'm out in, in Hawaii, if not this year, maybe do something later on in this year. Cause they do a bunch of trips with, through these, uh, through these scuba training courses. They'll take you up to rivers. They'll take you out to lakes. They'll take you out to, um, uh, Monterey and you can go swim through the kelp forests out there. Uh, all really cool stuff that I'm, I'm super jazzed about. And I hope that I can kind of foster it and take it to the next level. It's one of those things. It's a hobby. And it's an expensive hobby, so it'll start out with having to rent the equipment, but eventually I'd like to buy the the super good equipment and, and do all that. So who knows how long it's going to take, but it's one of those things I'm, I'm pretty excited about right now. So hopefully I'll do some scuba diving while we're in Hawaii. Um, so the inspiration from the uh, podcast post that I put last week um, has actually inspired me to do 
an episode with uh, that kind of showcases my musical history, my musical background. A lot of people are wanting to know or wanting me to kind of start jamming on the podcast, or like playing some instruments live on the podcast. I'd love to do that. Um, but to, to be perfectly honest, I'm still kind of like not really playing as much as I should be. I don't really, um, you know, back probably closer to five or six years ago, I was playing pretty consistently with a band. And so I was practicing a couple times a week and, you know, for a couple hours at a time. And so my chops were, were up there. I was, I had my finger pads, you know, my uh, calluses, I, for the guitar. And I kind of had my chops up to, up to snuff with, uh, my fingering, <laughs> being able to finger correctly and strumming. And, you know, it's, it's like one of those things you got to exercise, you got to exercise those muscles, um, you know, musically. And, uh, I'm just out of practice basically. Um, so I thought I would kind of open up my library of stuff that I've recorded in the past with various bands, various projects. And I have, thanks to my friend, Jake, uh, my childhood friend who I went to school with and he was kind of like my, my uh, musical partner. Um, we, we just played a lot of music together and we, he was excellent at saving and archiving all the stuff we had ever done, including like demo tapes, or we just had like a four track recorder, um, from the really early days. Like I, I started playing music in a band when I was about 13 or 14. I, I started playing in concert band with a trumpet in you know, uh, middle school and, and grade school, took it all the way through high school, but our music program eventually fizzled out and the interest in it just, there wasn't a lot of funding in it and there wasn't a lot of people getting involved and it just wasn't the same as it was when I first got started. So that transition, uh, that I made the transition to play, in, um, you know, bands and, and my main inspiration back then was like bands like Green Day, Blink-182, you know, the pop punk type of bands was really drove my inspirations in, into playing guitars. And that's kind of how I learned. My dad showed me how to play a, a power chord on, on my Squire electric um, guitar, and he basically gave me the tools to learn all on my own. And I, I learned all the songs that I I uh, played all by ear, so everything you're going to hear is like basically I trained myself how to do it, and um, a lot of the songs I, I'm going to play are all originals. But you'll be able to hear the influences like behind the Blink 182s and the and the Green Days. And as I progress through the years, you'll notice I kind of get into my more emo side with uh, acoustic guitars, and and then in the later years, <laughs> like in the last uh, in the last ten years or so in my twenties, I kind of got into more angsty, heavier metal type stuff. Cause clearly I had found, uh, at one point during my twenties, I had found my calling in, in following tool. And so they were a heavy influence in a lot of the music that I played. So this could be a really cool lethargic thing for me to do and kind of reliving my youth. But at the same time, it could remind me why I'm probably not pursuing it as heavily as I'd like to. Um, you know, I, I kind of, br I, I browsed through some of these songs before I re I'm recording this just to kind of get a feel of what I wanted to play. And a couple of the songs are a little cringeworthy. So, you know, I won't play them all in their entirety, but I just thought, why not? I'll, I'll open up this vault of music that I've got and, uh, just kind of let you guys get a taste of what I've done in the past. Um, long time listeners of the broadcast and of the show will know that I actually, uh, grew up in a small town called Georgetown. It's in between Auburn and Placerville. And when the band first started in in Georgetown, I was playing in my little basement. Um, 
And my entire neighborhood could actually hear me. In fact, I had a neighbor about three or four houses down the block who loved that we played music. Um, they could hear everything and they were totally excited every time we would play. And, and she was actually the school nurse. So whenever we, whenever I would go to school, she would comment on, Oh, that was a good practice session you guys did. I love hearing you guys play music. And I just feel bad for all the other people on the street that had to hear me who didn't like it because, well, they never came out and said that they didn't like it. Um, I'm sure it wasn't as pleasant, you know, as, as this person experienced it as a school nurse, but Naturally, uh, because we lived in a small town, I had to kind of poke fun at it, I guess. I don't know. But I ended up writing a song called Georgetown. And I don't know if I'm going to regret playing this or not. But um, this is just one of the tastes of my early days. Don't hate. I was like 14, 15. So, of course, my balls didn't drop yet. And this is just one of the most amateur recordings i got in fact the album's called in the basement because we just had this little four track cassette recorder and we played all the songs live so it's just one cut take if we messed up we'd have to redo it again and this apparently is one that made the cut uh here we go georgetown by the band counterclockwise enough of that god that was that was bad <laughs> i mean i was 13 14 just learning how to write songs and i was just dabbling in it and uh what's funny about that is it's kind of bringing back a whole bunch of memories the drummer of that group is a childhood friend and i actually ended up kind of quote-unquote stealing borrowing was more the what the words i'm trying to find is the the borrowing the drum set from the school so that i can have this band and i i'd convinced the band teacher at the time that i would i would give it back i would bring it back although it was such a crappy drum set i don't think they missed it after a while so they never really asked for it back and i never admittedly gave it back but the drummer hadn't had no training at all whatsoever he had never gotten lessons at all i mean it's kind of obvious there because it's so simple and, and basic but I taught him a basic beat because I just needed a drummer. And prior to that, my dad was actually the drummer and funny story. Actually, my dad played the drums with the band that I had, which was just me and a bass player. 
um, at a talent show for my eighth, uh, eighth grade talent show. My dad got up there on a middle school talent show just to back up, back me up on drums. I wish I had a video or pictures of audio from that, but um, I don't, unfortunately. Um, so I recruited my friend who had no prior knowledge to playing drums and he took a, you know, he ended up becoming an excellent drummer. He, he did take some lessons, um, but he was with me playing drums all the way through just the last couple of years. And then, you know, life happens and people get busy. He started a family and we just don't jam as much as we used to, but um, yeah, memories. I, I, I actually, I don't know if I want to play any more of the that early stuff just because the sound quality is so bad. Um, and the songwriting is too, but there was an opportunity for us to get into an actual professional studio. Um, and this is as professional as we can get. It was actually a, a, um, somebody who built their own home studio in a place called Auburn Lake trails up there in cool. And this woman who ran it, she was a um, kind of an aspiring singer and she needed somebody to run the board. And I was an aspiring board operator in a, in a, in a, uh, in a, a small community that wanted to get into recording and that sort of thing. And I was also doing a small little radio show at this uh, radio station called KOHL. Um, no, not KOHL. That's the freaking radio station. Uh, it was K-Folk. KOHL is the radio station that uh, Rob went to for his, um, college days um engineer bob was the teacher there uh, but kfok was the radio station that i worked at and i got a connection through there to work at this uh tiny little recording studio in auburn lake trails and i recorded some songs for her and, and in return they let me use the studio uh for my band so we we tracked we, we loaded in all of our gear and we ended up recording this song it's kind of one of my favorite songs that we ever did because it was it seemed like we kind of had uh, we we were started to get our um momentum going in our sound and kind of becoming a little bit more of our own and not really copying and pasting a lot of like green day or Blink 182 songs back in the day. So um, this one's called alone again, and it's probably one of my favorite songs that we ever did. Tomorrow, don't turn back now. 
Actually, I love that song. I don't know if it was if I'm biased or what, but I just feel like that was kind of one of the strongest songs or recordings that we have. And it's it's fun to go and relive those days and uh, just remember how much fun I had being in a band and stuff. And I feel like that song right there redeems um, <laughs> what I was saying earlier. If you know if this guy's going to regret this or if this is going to be lethargic. And fortunately, I like that one. That one made me feel pretty good. Um, so fast forward like maybe a year or two my friend Jake and I kind of broke off and kind of did a side project. We called it waiting for Michigan. I'm not quite sure exactly what the impetus is behind the name. I think it was something, um, I'd have to talk to my friend Jake, but for some, some reason we had thought waiting for Michigan, Michigan just sounded cool. Um, we dabbled with the song called point or the band name point to Providence Band names are so silly and stupid a lot of the times, and it's just a matter of finding a name that sticks that that might actually be recognizable. But really what it boils down to is the music, right? Like the, the band name sucks, but the music is great. Who cares what the band name is? I mean, Primus, what kind of band name is that? They're an amazing band, weird name. Tool, another one. Just kind of a silly, stupid name, but great fucking music. Um, so we were just kind of exploring and, and oh yeah waiting for michigan that sounds so cool um so one of the things that we did it was, it was more of an acoustic project and uh, one of the songs i wrote was for a ceremony that we had in high school we called it the candle rose ceremony it was a uh, an opportunity to kind of introduce the new incoming freshmen and saying sorry uh, adios to the to the seniors that are outgoing um and we were a senior in high school at the time, and they were uh, kind of recruiting the students to do something entertaining, bring something uh, to the table to add to this ceremony. And my friend Jake and I wrote this song, songs aptly named Candle Rose for the ceremony. Um, but it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a salute or a send off type of song. 
Um, and we actually ended up getting to record this in another professional studio. A lot of the stuff that we recorded that I have in my vault is all stuff on demos, demo tapes, demo recordings that we just did in my basement or at somebody's house. But fortunately, we, we were able to get a couple of tracks done uh, with this acoustic setup that I had with my friend Jake. And here is a studio track, a studio recording. And I, we performed this song live in front of our high school, and it was a huge hit. Um, whether or not it's going to be a huge hit with you, the listener, I don't know. But uh, here's a little taste. that song again this i might just be biased here but I, I i think that we came up with some pretty good stuff for being 16 17 years old and you know a funny story behind these that recording and the next couple of recordings i'm going to play um my we ended up kind of hooking up with this guy in the sacramento area who's oh, it was a studio musician and um he was kind of like this I don't want to say he was a faux rock star, but he was a rock star in his own mind and he played the part and he might have, you know, done all the things that he had said he had done, but he was claiming he had, he had joined, uh, joined up with certain bands and play with them uh, at, at numerous live shows. 
And, you know, he was a really great guy. But sometimes I feel like a lot of the things that he talked about were a little far-fetched. Um, and I was kind of hoping that this guy would be our in into the industry. Maybe he could get us a record deal or something. And in fact, he was just getting us some studio time at his friend's studio, um, which was a beautiful studio. And we had a, an amazing time doing it, but all we didn't needed to do is bring him 600 bucks. And he recorded a couple of demo tape, uh, demo tracks for us. Um, but this guy kind of a card, he, he looked like he was straight out of an eighties, uh, butt rock video. And he definitely played the part. He was just out there, but he was a lot of fun and I'm not going to say his name, but he was just a great guy. And I hope he's still around in the, in the Sacramento area. Um, but I haven't talked to him since cause this was like 16, I was 16 or 17 when we did this, uh, probably closer to 17 cause it was our senior year. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was one of those eye opening experiences of kind of getting our foot in the door of some sort of industry standard type of recording studio, working with people within the industry. Um, when, you know, we just shelved out a, a couple hundred bucks and they were able to do this recording for us. So it was, it was pretty cool. Nothing ever came of it. Obviously we didn't get any record deals, but we still have these memories to go by. Um, here's another track from the Waiting for Michigan demo. Uh, this song's called Touch and Go. It goes into a bridge. It does the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's a good song, but it's 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 it kind of turned into one of those cringeworthy moments to me. We've talked about on the show. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before that. We were, somebody had asked us if we had enjoyed listening to ourselves, or um, they were pointing out that what they hear on the radio when they hear their own voices on recordings. Like this is not just us, but just the general public. People cringe at that. And it doesn't necessarily happen to me when I listen back to my uh, my recordings of the show or the podcasts. Um, but when I listen to stuff like that, there are those moments where I go, ooh, oh, God, oh, like, where's your vocal training? And why did you, when are your balls going to drop? It's There's certain 
tracks that I listen to that I go back to. And I think, man, if, if I only had, I don't know, seasoned up a little bit more, maybe I could have hit that note a little bit better. But yeah, so that one was a little cringeworthy, but just another taste. Uh, this next song is called Take Me Home. And I got to give all credit where credit is due. Uh, my partner, Jake, who was in this group with me, wrote this song pretty much uh, beginning to end. And the only thing I added was just the second voice, uh, the, the second guitar and some harmony. But this guy basically did all of this. And we most of the time would, would collaborate and co-write the songs, but he was and still is a, an excellent songwriter, especially lyrically. Um, I kind of stepped in with a lot of the music stuff and he just came up with these amazing lyrics. Um, and this is one of those songs that highlight that. Um, it's called Take Me Home. The hills here don't roll as much as they say The waves are not crashing on my head These people 
pretty damn good, right? At the end there, the, the if you, you hear the build up and the the take me home, everybody take me. If you listen to it a little bit deeper, there's a lot of like things happening on the background, like ooh, ha, 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 hee, hee. you'll hear that kind of tracked in there. Um, that was actually an idea from the producer, the guy who was actually recording this stuff. Um, he was like, okay, I got, I got this vision. You guys, you guys ever heard of the Beatles? Of course we heard of the Beatles. And there was this track that he was referring to, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, um, but they do something similar to that where they kind of create this build of this round of, of, uh, voices and singing, uh, to kind of like swell at the end. Um, and that was his touch. I thought that was an amazing touch on that, that song. Um, but man, what a, what a great jam, Jake. I miss jamming with you, Jake. Um, so I hope that you've enjoyed some of this so far. I'm trying to find some, something else that I, that we did, um, a little bit later on. I'm trying to find it here. Just give me a second. All right. I think I found it. Um, so I had to do a little bit of digging. And, uh, so fast forward from the end of high school and the, the, the acoustic project, there was some on and off years. Um, we had some different variations of people, uh, join me up in a band and, um, it, it was actually a lot of jamming that took place. There was a lot of exploration. There was a lot of hallucinogenics that kind of started taking place because we were in our early twenties. We were partying, we were having a good time, but we added in the music element there, um, because it was just the thing to do. And we were hugely into exploring and, and finding out what kind of sounds we can make. And it was uh, an evolution. Um, but if you, once you listen to these songs, you'll, you'll kind of hear, okay, maybe it was an evolution or maybe you guys were just high as fuck and you thought this sounded good. Um, but there, there are a couple of tracks I want to play. Um, one I've played before and it's actually a cover song. Um, and this was a, a, a lineup of band of guys that I had that we called uh, Duende. And the name of the band came up from an inspiration from a Anthony Bourdain show when they were out in Spain um, and they were talking about duende. It's a, it's a Spanish word for uh, quality, of passion, inspiration, uh, associated with music, mainly. Um, it's also known as a creature. Um, and uh, it's also from Filipino folklore. So it's kind of like this, it's, it's, it gives you a, uh, duende is actually just kind of a, a word that, or a way of putting into words the feeling that you get to feel inspired or moved by music. Yeah. Pretty deep, right? Well, I thought it was cool, and it didn't really stick because we haven't really made anything of it, but uh, I'm going to play the, the cover of Immigrant Song that we did as a band.
tasty jam. If I might say so myself, I will. That was a tasty jam. All right, so I think I'm going to end there, end that, uh, because it seems to be a pretty pretty high note there, because um, the rest of the stuff I was kind of previewing wasn't necessarily up to snuff with that, and, you know, it got to end on a high note. Um, just a little more insight into that last track. That was that drummer that you heard in that last track was the same drummer from that first song that I played back, you know, at the beginning of the podcast where we played Georgetown and you heard the very simple uh, drum drum beat. If you didn't don't remember it, go back and listen to it and then come back and listen to the, the current drummer. Same guy. And it was just years and years of practice and uh, getting better. And he, he had not been traditionally trained. I just showed him how to play a simple beat and he took it away. He's just one of those naturally talented guys um, that I miss jamming with very much, but you know, life happens. That's the way it goes. Um, so thank you very much for, uh, sitting through it so far, if you're still listening. Um, and I hope that uh, you won't criticize me too harshly. It was nice to kind of live, relive those tracks and, and, uh, open up the vault and, and listen to some of the old music that I used to create. And I got to tell you, I was a little, uh, I was a little, uh, glass half empty or yeah, glass empty. Uh, to uh, about the whole experience here. I didn't know if it was going to be a positive experience, but I, I do feel now that I've listened to it and kind of had at set this time aside to really explore the things that I've done in the past. It's, it's uh, inspiring me to keep doing it and do something better and different and uh, hopefully exciting. And it's just, it's, I love music and it makes, it brings these feelings out in me. It brings the Duende out in me. Uh, and uh, I think I'm going to keep it going. So I appreciate everybody's support and wanting to hear more of the of the music stuff that I've been involved with, and I hope that I get to uh, continue to feel that support and love, and um, I'm going to go start practicing. So until next week, namaste, bitches. The Rad 